Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Greetings, one. Greetings, all. Greetings, some. Big and small. Anyway, I'm Katie Petrick, and I am joined by Mr. David Fiorazzo. Absolutely. And it's the end of the week for us, so woohoo to us. Uh-huh. To us, maybe not woohoo to you, but woohoo to us. Happy resurrection season. Here we go. Just a reminder that if you want to support the work of this show or any of our other programs, please consider getting yourself some swag. Visit freedomproject.com slash store. Get yourself a mug or a shirt or even a hoodie. Again, that's freedomproject.com slash store. All right, friends, it's once again that special time to check in with Mr. Alex Newman all the way from sunny Florida with the great governor and check out what story he has to share with us this week. Hey, Alex. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so Oklahoma has now followed Tennessee. They're considering uh, a bill that would basically make a plan to get out from underneath the federal boot on their face, uh, at least when it comes to education. Uh, so it's a you know it's, it's similar to the Tennessee bill that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, it would uh, basically come up with a plan to uh, over a ten year period get rid of the billion dollars in federal funding that their uh, government school system gets. And of course, the end goal is to uh, have the state of Oklahoma retake control of the state's education system uh, rather than the Biden administration and these uh, ever more radicalized federal bureaucrats who are now demanding more transgender stuff, more uh, weird uh, sex stuff, more surveys, more uh, indoctrination, more quackery, more common core, all of it. Uh, the legislation is called the Senate Bill 863. There's a House companion as well. And um, basically, it would uh, require the Oklahoma Department of Education to come up with this plan. Uh, they would have until the end of 2024, and the plan should work uh, over a decade. Uh, they're supposed to figure out how much uh, money they'd be losing, how much money the state would have to be making up. And uh, actually, other legislators in other states and other uh, governments have considered this. And one of the things that keeps coming up is, well, how much is it going to cost, right? Uh, if we lose the billion in federal funding, does that mean we have to tax uh, Oklahoma taxpayers, for example, uh, an extra billion dollars? Um, we don't really know the answer to that question, although this, if this bill passes, uh, the State Department of Education might figure that out. But uh, a lot of people have suggested, a lot of smart people, that uh, it, when you end the federal funding, it will also end, of course, the federal mandates. And the federal mandates are so expensive uh, that this may actually end up saving taxpayers money if they don't have to obey all these crazy federal regulations, all these crazy federal rules, uh, not to mention the fact that the kids are being dumbed down, radicalized, and indoctrinated under this basically nationalized education system. Uh, so the senator who introduced this, his name is uh, David Bullard. He's a Republican. Uh, he put out a, a big and, and, in my opinion, very good statement about this. He says, the U.S. Constitution is very straightforward about education. This is a state power protected by the 10th Amendment, and the federal overreach is alive and well in our education system. Uh, of course, he's absolutely right. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the 10th Amendment, um, this is uh, basically the 10th the and the first 10 amendments, often called the Bill of Rights. And what it says is that any powers not delegated to the United States, as in the U.S. government, are reserved 
for the states or for the people. And so basically the Constitution is a, is a compact. The states came together. They created a federal government. They delegated a few tasks to this federal government. Uh, you can basically read the exhaustive list in Article 1, Section 8. Uh, they can run a post office. They can have a navy. Uh, they can open a patent office. Uh, you know, they can regulate trade with foreign countries. And uh, Indian tribes are supposed to uh, make sure that the states don't set up barriers to trade, things like that. Uh, but obviously there's no power there over how we educate children, right? It's a, a very bizarre idea, this uh, idea that has come in where the federal government now thinks it gets to control uh, schools across the country. Uh, so uh, the uh, senator here, he's uh, this 10 year plan, he says, would remove the federal government from where it doesn't belong, replace federal funding with state uh, aid instead. And uh, he says the federal government does not need to be in Oklahoma education, uh, which, of course, uh, is pretty obvious to I think uh, everybody's paying attention at this point, especially when you consider it from a constitutional perspective. Again, the feds have no constitutional power. So what they've historically done is they get the states and even the local governments dependent on federal money. And then they say, well, if you want this federal money, you have to do X, Y, Z. Uh, and that's how they were able to really federalize. And now we're watching the globalization of this uh, abomination that's described often as a public school system. Again, the primary mechanism they use is the federal funding. And so these lawmakers in Oklahoma, uh, they're, they're saying that, uh, you know, if we could get that out, that would be good. Uh, the senator went on, he said, Oklahoma needs to be in control of our own destiny when it comes to education, not a liberal bureaucrat in D.C. or California. We must not put our children up to the highest bidder. They are not for sale. Uh, kudos. Senator Bullard um, uh, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the, the federal supremacists, the teachers unions that are all mad, um, they're saying, well, 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 we need federal funding. We want the federal government to control. I wonder if they'll feel that way in 2024 when Donald Trump is president. That'll be interesting. But um, he says Oklahoma is going to be better off without federal interference in how we educate kids. Schools are not going to lose money, but we'll be in sole control of our education system. So uh, great plan. If you ask me, the, the State Department of Education comes up with this report. They send it to the Speaker of the House, uh, the President pro tem of the Senate, and also uh, Governor Kevin Stitt, a Republican who's uh, one of the more conservative in the country. So maybe Oklahoma will lead the way here. I hope so. Uh, again, the, the bill in Tennessee is pretty similar. Uh, come up with a plan to end federal funding. Um, and, you know, the lawmakers behind this, they've expressed concern about a lot of different things, the, the gender confusion, the weirdness, the left wing indoctrination, the SEL. Uh, and, and ultimately, folks, uh, getting the federal government out of our schools is a good first step. Uh, obviously, it's constitutionally required. But ultimately, uh, I think we need to go much further than that. Uh, we need to go back to parental responsibility and control over education. There's no reason for the government to be educating children. That's not a, a proper responsibility of government. Uh, thanks, guys. And I'll see you next week. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, Christianity isn't true, no one makes it to heaven, and this life is all there is. It's every man for himself. Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fortunately for us, there's good news today. It's all true. I'm David Fiorazzo, and this is Christ and Culture. Christianity had extremely humble beginnings, along with massive opposition. The first believers in the early church and disciples had very little money. There were no proven leaders. There was no technological tools for promoting their message, the gospel. The faith was brand new. It taught bold truths that were incredible. And it was subject to the most intense hatred and persecution. So, 
Why have so many followers of Christ and martyrs through the centuries, why have they died for their faith instead of deny Jesus? They were convinced the resurrection is true. Now, anyone living at that time could have publicly examined the empty tomb after Jesus was risen from the dead. They could have gone there for themselves. Many probably did. Both believers, seekers, non-believers likely traveled for miles, if necessary, to the tomb and just to look for Jesus and his body and what could have happened. Enemies of God simply had to produce the corpse of Jesus to stop the story from spreading. That would have done away with Christianity, but they couldn't do it. Why? Because the resurrection is true. Too many believers were alive at that time. Think about this. Hundreds, if not thousands of eyewitnesses saw miracles that Jesus did, and most importantly, saw the risen Christ after the resurrection. Let's look at the good news in 1 Corinthians, a letter that was written sometime around 50 AD, which is less than 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. That's 1 Corinthians, the first seven verses. Now, wait just a minute. The Bible reveals that James, the half-brother of Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus just weeks prior to his arrest and crucifixion. Out of all the people who saw the living, resurrected Messiah, Jesus made a point to appear to James. And Paul made a point to mention James by name. Jewish historian Josephus, who was certainly not a believer in Christ, he testified that James, the brother of Jesus and the leader of the Jerusalem council, that James, was executed. What then could explain such a sudden, radical conversion and transformation in James? He was a pillar in the early church. A known skeptic beforehand, this Jewish man somehow became willing to die for his faith. How do you explain this? This turnaround and this historical fact. The resurrection is true, and Jesus showed himself to James. Luke 24 also mentions Mary, Joanna, and the other women, and the fact that they returned from the empty tomb to tell the apostles they saw Jesus alive. Now, what a blessing to have Luke's detailed, inspiring, meticulous, journalistic account of Jesus. The book of Luke often points to the Old Testament. He proclaims the things that were foretold by the prophets that God has fulfilled, including the suffering of the Christ, the Messiah. Why believe? He hears the beginning of Luke's second detailed account, which is the book of Acts. Check this out. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up 
After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive. After his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Powerful words, many infallible proofs. The risen Jesus remained on the earth for over a month, 40 days, to visit believers, establish in their hearts the truth of the resurrection, and to teach them about what Moses and the prophets had written about him. As signs of the times and Bible prophecy indicate, his promised return is getting closer and closer. The book of Acts provides a pretty big clue about that day. Luke continues in the first chapter of Acts about Jesus and writes this, He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Did you catch that? Jesus ascended to glory from the Mount of Olives just east of Jerusalem, and God's messenger told them he will return in the same way. Wow. Also, Old Testament prophet Zechariah provides a few more clues about the return of Messiah, stating this, And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. Now, at the return of Jesus Christ, he will enter the city of Jerusalem through the now cemented and sealed eastern gate, which is a whole other story. It's also known as the Golden Gate. But in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That's toward the end of 1 Corinthians 15. This is the truth. This is our very real hope. The best-selling book of all time, the Bible, is a masterpiece combining thousands of years of historical events written by over 40 different authors on three different continents, including prophecies in perfect and specific detail. Who could have successfully carried out such an elaborate plan? Through the centuries, Scripture has been confirmed again and again by archaeology, strengthened by eyewitness testimony, manuscript evidence, reinforced by hundreds of fulfilled prophecies, and has radically changed millions of hearts and lives. I hope you're one of them. Before his death on the cross, Jesus told his followers exactly what he came to accomplish and how it had to happen. After his resurrection... Jesus told them this, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance 
for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. That's Luke 24, 44 through 48. So the resurrection guarantees that as believers, we will live forever. We will appear before Christ. We will be like him. We'll be filled with joy in his presence forever. And there's no other name under heaven by which mankind can be saved. Share the gospel, the good news. Be confident in this truth and encourage others with these words. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding, towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. Adios, America. The Biden surge at the border. Next on One Nation. Hello, America. Welcome to One Nation. I'm Dr. Jake Jacobs. And I got to be straight up with you right away. I am tired, very tired. And the reason why is I've just spent three days on the uh, Arizona-Mexican international border. I have been so sick and tired of the lies by the media, the Biden administration, Homeland Security, Mayorkas, that the border is secure, that there's not a bad problem down there. And I'm here to tell you right now that Joe Biden's surge, his call for a surge, a tsunami of illegal aliens, is accomplishing his goal of ending the greatness of the United States of America as we understand it and know it. Now, I use that word surge explicitly and specifically because it's the word candidate Joe Biden used. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. You should surge. You should come. And they did. They wore T-shirts that said, Biden, please let us in. And they didn't come in the tens of thousands or the hundreds of thousands, but in the millions and millions and millions starting on January 20th, 2021. Now, what's really interesting is when you and I bring up the truth of what actually is happening from Brownsville, Texas, all the way to San Diego, California, the media helps live the Biden lie, the Democratic Party lie. But it is so bad down here. More of that to come in a minute. It is so bad down here that even the left-wing propagandist media, they can't deny it anymore. Let's just give you some examples. Let's give you some examples of the surge. I think the first one we have is the Washington Post. A migrant surge is coming at the border and Biden is not ready. Oh, my God, how true that is. Uh, let's look at the AP, the Associated Press. 
illegal border crossings surged to its highest of Biden's term. I mean, the fact is that when President Biden called illegal aliens en masse to surge to the border, they did. And they're breaking record amounts of illegal aliens surging into the border and in essence um, causing a lot of over a million gotaways. And with that, human trafficking, sex trafficking, and drugs galore that is exploding throughout the country. Here's another example from the New York Times. Look what the New York Times says, battling the border surge. That's not the only one. The Atlantic Council, look what it says. It says, Biden just tightened U.S. migration policy. Can he calm the surge at the border? People, I'm telling you right now, he didn't tighten the policy. This is smoke and mirrors. This is this is a subterfuge. This is a very clever way of appearing to actually be doing something at the border and doing things that are in essence making the border wider and more open than ever before. I know I was just there. I mean, seriously, just there for the past three days, talking to border con- uh, patrols, talking to sheriffs and lieutenants within the uh, uh, Pinell County, uh, um, which is north of the Tucson area, talking to Arizona citizens, seeing firsthand what's going on. Now, it's interesting because uh, the Heritage Organization had a headline that says this, border crisis is no accident. It's Biden making good on his campaign promises. And this is something very significant for us to understand. You know, people say that uh, this is just, you know, it just happens to be a, a coincidence that there's this surge and um you know, that Biden, according to Mayorkas and others, that the border is secure and it's not as bad as people like Jake Jacobs and others say. But the fact of the matter is this is a part of the Joe Biden Democratic Party premeditated, preconceived policy of changing the United States of America. I call it their adios America policy, which in essence says you flood the United States of America with not just hundreds of thousands, but tens of millions of illegal aliens fulfilling the World Economic Forum agenda, fulfilling the United Nations agenda, which really in essence denies American constitutional law and American sovereignty. And so I I just think it's so important for us to understand it. And they will start to say in essence that because I'm telling you what I'm telling you and you understand what you understand, that you and I are racist, we're fascist, we're phobic this and phobic that, and that is an outright lie. It's a part of their agenda and a part of their plan. Guys, there is so much to say, but for the rest of the story, tune in for the full episode of One Nation. If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store 
and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready. All right, today's question for you, David, is yes. to what lengths would you go to share a little smoochy smooch with your wife if she was far away? What lengths would you go? How would you make that well, describe happen? Describe far away. So far away. Like in another so, town? Just so or... far away. Just not physically next to you. How okay. about that? In, an, uh, in a long To what distance. lengths? Yeah. The, these are things that I don't really think about. Oh, so, okay. I don't either. Are you saying someone has thought about it? Someone has, and they're doing something about oh, it. Oh, a Chinese they, uh, company. A Chinese, Chinese company. startup company has developed a machine, a machine, that will simulate a kiss with a loved one from anywhere around the world. And, of course, it's called the... Oh, gosh. Long Lost Touch and... Um, Yikes. Yeah, just... I'm not going to talk anymore. Let's just watch this video. Pucker up. When your love is far away, you can still get a smooch with this new invention. The device, which has a name that translates to long lost touch in English, was created by Chinese college students. They were inspired by the stories of sadness and isolation that came out of pandemic lockdowns. This is what can happen when video calls simply aren't enough. Each long lost touch is paired with another device. Users have their kissing style recorded and then transmitted to the other set of lips. It even makes kissing noises. For a more realistic feel, the silicone lips warm up as the lover sends their kisses. They had to add that at the end. Are the you lip, they creeped warm up. out oh. by this? With Chinese students having too much time on their hands, coming up with something. Uh, okay. Um, oh, there's so many things that are wrong with this. But before we discuss more details, it's worth mentioning in the last three months, the company has sold 23,000 kissing machines at a cost of 38 bucks each. Katie, $38 for some creepy, it looks like a bass you know, mm -hmm. fish almost. He doesn't open his mouth that much. It, he or she, I guess. We can't put a gender on the lips. <laughs> oh my. Uh. So um, I don't know. It's just one of those things where is, it, is this necessary? Is no. it, what, what's wrong with our with our Lots. I was going to say country, but that's China. I mean, lots. No, lots is wrong over there. Um, it, boy. That's, it's disturbing. That, that's disturbing. I don't, I but it, uh, this makes perfect sense. So that it looking, would be made in China because China is also the country of origin for many a thing, uh, including <laughs> all various sex dolls and other inanimate objects that are used to replicate or try to replicate feelings and mutual oh touch um th this has Ugh. this is just another idea coming <laughs> out of china it's nothing new from them and still all the more disturbing so, yeah, yeah yeah disturbing creepy. at this point i bet they've sold even more i bet they yeah. Oh, yeah. made a, a good million on what this. what a waste completely well but i mean it's china kids today probably think oh that's cool i can uh, I, I can i can understand you're looking at your loved one your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend and and the lips come out and it's just like 
<laughs> that thing, it just looks it just looks disturbing yeah. oh, it's just gosh. You know, Lord what, help what are your us. thoughts though you guys let us know because we like to hear from other people now uh it's gonna wrap up our week we're gonna say goodbye not in the way at all that they do but um i i learned a couple things this week including that and now i want to go home yeah. and never talk about it again uh yeah for katie and myself thank you guys for watching for listening sharing and supporting the show and until next week stay educated america educated is directed and produced by mike menzel hosted by katie petrick and david fiorazzo makeup and hair by katie shoal graphics designed by dan kaler Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project Media app. Copyright 2023.